Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, my friends. We will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Michael Unbroken Podcast. My goal and company is to give you the tools to help you understand your past, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story. This podcast is sponsored by thinkunbroken.com. And you can check out my new book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for mental health care, but instead think of it more as a companion where we're here to support each other and to grow. Each episode of the Michael Unbroken podcast is less than 10 minutes, though sometimes that does not happen. 
So hang out with me. Stay tuned. If you have questions, if you want to have conversations with me or you have information you want to share, reach out to me directly on social media at Michael Unbroken, or you can email me at Michael at thinkunbroken.com. Enjoy this episode, my friend, and until next time, be unbroken. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Michael Unbroken Podcast. Um, I recognize it's been a little bit since you and I have had conversation and the state of the world, the state of my life, the fact that honestly, I've needed a little bit of a mental break that comes by very difficult these days. Um, I decided to put the podcast on the back burner for a little while so I could focus on the areas of my life that needed my attention. And so now that I am back, I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, It would be remiss of me not to discuss the fact that the world is a little bit upside down and possibly for a good reason. Not a good reason. It is for a good reason, but in a good way, I should say. Um, I think there is something really beautiful about the collective approach that is happening in the world right now with this group of people of all races, colors, ethnicities, coming together around the world for justice, for equality, for peace, for prosperity, for all the things that people of color have not had at their disposal for a very, very long time. And as I've been in the protests, and as I've marched, and as I've walked the streets and created petitions and spoken to people of the news and in the media and shared blog posts and communication, The one thing that I've really recognized is maybe some of the conversation we've had has gone, been gone about in the wrong manner. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we point fingers at each other. And as a society, we have seen that doesn't really get us anywhere. And it's been very much this declaration of us versus you versus them for a very long time. When in reality, I think what we have to look at and take into consideration is that we are actually a part of the problem, right? And I'm going to explain. A couple of days ago, I wrote a post that went a little bit viral called An Open Letter to America. And in this letter, I kind of ostracized the white community. And I said, you know what, guys, it's your fault. You guys are the assholes. You did this, blah, blah, blah. And it was not disgruntled, but there was a a sense of anger that I had in it just because as a biracial man in America who has seen both sides of racial injustice and and lack of prosperity and damnation and indignation, um, I felt like enough is enough. It's time for our white leaders, our white community, our white people to step up to the plate after a very long time of riding the bench. And I recognize something that was at fault with that, and it's that it's not only their fault. We have allowed systemic racism to become as American as apple pie, right? I think that's a really easy, low-hanging fruit way of saying this is our fault, too. And I know that's a really uncomfortable thing for people to hear. And as I kind of sat with my writing, I recognized when I woke up the next day that I had made a mistake. And that mistake was I didn't really address the bigger issue in the room. And that is that 
it's only until now that we're stepping back into a civil rights movement with this much power and capacity and and community there's a huge gap in time between these movements and they've always been on the backside of something really awful and tragic happening and that that to me is devastating within itself and i thought to myself how do we be more proactive versus reactive what is it that we're missing the mark on where is this piece of the puzzle that we have not yet laid on the table that has kept us from actually moving forward and yet again here we are back where we were and so as i've been marching and as i've been protesting and as i've been sharing petitions online i recognize that i'm a part of this problem because i am being reactive instead of proactive i think about it just very much in the same way that i think about trauma it is a mindset it is actionable it is something that we have to have a game plan for to work for change in order to create what life it is that we want to have we have to put in the effort and we have to have momentum and i recognize that we don't do that as a people and and i'm guilty of that too so I'm going to share with you the letter that I wrote. It's a bit long here, so if you have some coffee, you want to sit down, take a listen. I'm going to share this with you. As a leader, I have to admit when I am wrong and when I have made a mistake. I've made a colossal mistake in light of the events of the last couple of weeks and done so to my own embarrassment. As someone who has always prided himself on rational thinking and finding solutions to problems, I realized in the heat of the moment, I did not act in alignment with principles. I posted an open letter titled, Dear Racist White People, and I shot my shot way too low. In fact, so embarrassing low that I regret even posting it. Perhaps regret is the wrong word. Let me explain. But first, here's the post. Dear white people, you should truly be embarrassed that you have to be another white person that just doesn't get it. You don't have to be, but you're choosing to be. Why do we kneel? Because we know that's the only way we get attention brought to subjects of vast import. Why do we protest? Because we tried to do it the cavalier way, and it got us nowhere. Why do we riot? Because our voices remain unheard. Why do we scream Black Lives Matter? because we are being forced into modern indentured servitude, beaten, handcuffed, choked, shot, and murdered at an exponentially higher rate than anyone in the world in the country that our ancestors built through slavery. If white people were systematically hunted and imprisoned, set up for failure, enslaved for generations, and murdered left and right, you wouldn't be asking the question, don't white lives matter? Open your eyes. You either are a part of the problem or part of the solution. You chose to ask that question instead of facing the uncomfortable truth that a genocide is happening before your very eyes. And yet you stand idly by doing nothing because you are not directly impacted. You are nice and safe and cozy in your white world. Do white lives matter? Do Asian? Do Indian? Do Arab? Do Persian, do Hispanic, do Latin, do black? Don't you get it? This is the most ignorant question that white people can ask, but I'll take blame because it's my fault for not giving you the uncomfortable truth. 
It's my fault for not letting you have the perspective of generations of this mistreatment. It's my fault for not telling you that what you see in the media is sensationalized to desensitize you from reality. Everyone matters, but not everyone is being hunted. Not everyone is scared to walk down the street or drive their car or sleep in their own bed or play outside or buy groceries. What you're missing is that your son or daughter doesn't have to worry about being shot by the people who are supposed to protect them. You don't have to worry about the way you move freely about the world because someone might call the police on you for having a barbecue, going to the gym, playing with your friends, or bird watching. You don't have to worry about the portrayal of white people always being shown in a negative light. You don't have to worry about your neighbors raising flags covered in swastikas and Confederate symbols. You don't have to worry about people storming down the streets with pitchforks and torches screaming, white is right. You see, dear white people, all you have to do is show up and be embraced by a safe, warm, and welcoming world at your fingertips. When I walk outside, I have to worry that I never get to come home. Sincerely, Michael. I know better than to write something general, and dare I say generic, when it comes to race and pointing fingers. I've seen racism in all walks of life, and that is the byproduct of growing up on both sides of the fence. I grew up the biracial son of a drug addict and alcoholic white mother and black father. Before my grandmother adopted me, we lived in unimaginable circumstances, from HUD housing to shelters to strangers' homes. I learned from those experiences that racism exists in all forms. My first experiences with racism came as a young child. I remember being in kindergarten, and the black boys wouldn't let me play with them. Neither did the white boys. I never understood why. As an adult, and after many conversations with other biracial friends, I found that we shared many of the same experiences. Perhaps it's the herd mentality or differentiation that scares people. After my experience in school, I dealt with racism in my own home. My grandmother, a white woman, was one of the most racist people I've ever known. Long story short, I frequently heard her mutter, nigger, jap, spick, and any other variety of racial epitaph. Growing up in a home like that was hard and led me to have an identity crisis in my teens. Those same experiences came back again in high school. I found myself having to defend my whiteness to black kids and defend my blackness to white kids, feeling the outcast become a vicious cycle that seemed to follow me for decades. I've seen racism in all shapes and sizes around the world and back again. I've experienced it personally from New York to Indy to Chicago and Portland. It's everywhere. And it is something that exists in all planes of the color line. We like to think that this is a black and white issue in America, but it's not. From the grocery store clerks that racially profile their customers, to the woman who changes the side of the street she is walking on when approached by a man of color, to the job recruiter that segregates applicants by their name, to the people who can't walk into specific neighborhoods because of the color of their skin. Racism is everywhere. The truth that I failed to admit is that racism is an American problem. It has been and it will continue to be because we are taught to be scared of each other. We are taught to fear what we don't understand and burn down what is different. The idea of all men are created equal does not work in the context that we are all equally responsible for the current state of our world. We did this to ourselves. 
And I know that is a hard thing to hear, but when you look at this entire country and the whole system, you find hole after hole of injustice and equality in the vessel. For years, this country has been waiting to explode, and now we are in the midst of cleaning up the mess left by our forefathers. If we want to create a solution to this problem, it starts with how we treat our neighbor. It starts with how we think about the people that we cross in our daily lives. It starts with removing ourselves from the idea that the color of someone's skin dictates the content of their character. If you saw me, a biracial man, six foot four, covered in tattoos, walking down the street, would you believe that I have traveled the world, written a book, am an advocate for child's rights, and adult survivors of child abuse? Or would you see that you have been programmed to believe me because of my race and how I present? Would you notice who I am? Or would you notice the color of my skin? You see, friends, the truth is that we all must create change within ourselves first. Yes, we must change legislature. Yes, we must change the way the political parties divide us. Yes, we must create strict laws against acts of racism. Yes, we must force our police officers to be accountable. Yes, black people and white people need to stop killing each other. Yes, we must stop burning down our communities. Yes, we have to stop tearing down ourselves. There are so many yeses that we have to agree upon, and we must be willing to do what it takes to create change. Now, let me present you with my updated open letter and the one that I should have written. Dear America, we should indeed be embarrassed that we just don't get it. We could understand the world better, but we have decided to keep the blinders over our eyes. It is much easier to hide the cruel dark world than to face the truth that despite the roads that we walk on being laid by generations of those before us, we continue to walk these same roads compliant to a world we do not agree upon. As a people, we have forgotten that we cannot change what happened yesterday. It is the past. Today, at this moment, we have the ability to create change for tomorrow. We are at a breaking point, and what we have failed to realize is that this isn't us versus them. It is us versus us. The preamble of the Constitution states, We the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. The United States of America, and yet, for generation after generation, we have stood divided as we inherited the racist beliefs ingrained in us from birth and allowed them to remain unquestioned. We are victims of a unified, fixed mindset. We, the people, have not done our part in creating accountability within the collective. We always point a finger. We always place blame on the other guys. We always say that's not my problem, but it is our problem. The issue with race inequality is your problem and my problem and her problem and their problem. 
The pain we feel now is all of our problem to deal with, and we need to create a path for change. We are the ones who must exercise our right to freedom of speech and assembly to invoke change in a way that is for the benefit of us all. For generations, we have said the system is against us. We don't effectively make preemptive strikes to mitigate the risk of events like police brutality and corporate corruption that we are experiencing now. We always end up at, we've taken this long enough. We don't vote, we don't picket, we don't call our representatives or create grassroots efforts. And I will be the first to admit that I am as guilty as you are. All of these problems are us problems. Today, as I look out on our country burning itself to the ground, I can't help but realize that I am just as culpable as the people lighting the match. And so are you. We have sat by idly for so long that the only way our voices are acknowledged is when we burn down the villages. Where does that leave us? Have you asked yourself what happens next? The harsh truth is that we are going to end up in the same place now in the future. Nothing changes because in a week, the next culture shock will come along. The next person will be murdered. The next thing that we watch from the sidelines will occur and we'll be pensively sitting on our phones being advocates for change and freedom fighters from behind our screens. I'm as upset as I was earlier because I have to admit that this is my fault. I take the blame. I take responsibility for every time I could have intervened to keep this from happening. I take responsibility for the thousands of murders of people of all races, colors, and creeds by each other and by the police. I could have done something, but it wasn't my problem until it became my problem. Why do we kneel? Because we believe in the cause bigger than ourselves. Why do we protest together? Because we want our voices heard in unison as a collective people who desire change and are willing to fight for it. Why do we scream Black Lives Matter together? Because we are all being forced into modern indentured servitude beaten, handcuffed, choked, shot, and murdered by the very people that are meant to protect us. We must open our eyes. You're either a part of the problem or part of the solution. You have the ability to show up. If you're going to talk about it, then you need to be about it. I've often asked myself, what am I willing to die for? Freedom, equality, and peace. You can choose to ask that question instead of facing the uncomfortable truth that a genocide is happening before your eyes. And yet, we stand idly by doing nothing because we are not directly impacted. We are safe in our nice and cozy world. Do white lives matter? Do Asian? Do Indian? Do Arab? Do Persian? Do Hispanic? Do Latin? Do black? Don't we get it? When we start coming together, we become stronger. Last night, as I sat looking at my brother's and sister's eyes, as we marched the streets of Portland, I felt a sense of calm and peace. I wasn't scared of being tear gassed or shot. I've had the police put guns in my face before. I instead was proud and strong and, in a moment, realized, as I lost count of the thousands of people walking in unison, that even if we faced the military, there are more of us than there are of them. That is not a statement to condone violence. This statement is about solidarity in the face of adversity. 
No one has ever done anything significant alone. When we face the threat of being ignored, this is the same solidarity that will make our voices echo. Our power is in solidarity, and now the world's voice echoes ours. Our sons and daughters shouldn't have to worry about fighting this fight when they are adults. They shouldn't have to worry about race being the reason why they didn't get the job. They shouldn't worry about the color of their skin defining who they are as a person. They should be proud that today we stood up in the face of adversity, death, persecution, punishment, and fear to scream at the top of our lungs that we are here and that we will not back down. We can't change yesterday, but we can change tomorrow for them, for us, and each other. When I walk outside, I don't ever want to worry that I never get to come home. Freedom is why we protest. Equality is why we scream. Peace is why we kneel. Sincerely, Michael. When I finished writing that post and I put it out in the world, I realized that it was so much more true than the first post that I had written because it felt authentic in a different kind of way. Because I recognize as I've walked the streets, as I've been in community with my peers, with the people who are about this mission, that the most important thing is we're doing this together. And together is how we create change. And together is how we change the world. And so I want to thank you, my friends, for all of your efforts, all of your encouragement, Every time that you march, every time that you walk the streets, every time that you sign a petition, every time that you make an effort to make the world a better place, because it is that in which we are going to help change our world's thinking from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And the only way we can do it is together. So thank you, my friends, for listening to this episode of the Think Unbroken podcast. If you want to check out more information about me, you can at Michael Unbroken on Instagram or www.thinkunbroken.com. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.